Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome to everybody, especially if you're visiting with us this morning. It's a delight to have you here. We hope that everybody feels very much at home here at GPC. So thank you for coming to worship with us in person. And there are people worshiping with us on our live stream as well. So it's a delight to welcome all of you in. Thank you for worshiping with us online. And you can see the church bulletin on our church website. You can download that and participate along with everybody here in our sanctuary. So welcome one and all. If you are here in our sanctuary, I invite you to fill in the friendship pad that is in the um, maroon pad that's in your uh, center aisle seats here. If you would pick up the pad and pass that down the aisle, then you can certainly sign that and, um, and mark your attendance with us and pass that down the row and see who's worshiping with you this morning. There's several announcements about our schedule this coming week I want to let you know about. In addition to our worship service this morning, of course, there are many things that are happening in the uh, life of the church that we want to let you know about. Um, One is to come this afternoon to our Christmas caroling um, event that's happening this afternoon. We've been talking about this. You'll see the announcement there in your bulletin. We'll go out and Christmas carol to different places within the community and then come back And there'll be a chili supper that happens after that in the activities center. You can come to one of those or both of those, but please do participate in that if you want to spread good cheer and eat some really good chili. Evening worship tonight is part of that, and so we won't have evening worship at 6 o'clock in Warren Hall, but there'll be an abbreviated evening worship that's part of our meal this evening, and so um, please note that as well. And then please come on Wednesday. If you want to enjoy, again, it's the last one of our Advent series, but please come on Wednesday to enjoy the meal and then the devotional. There are a few new things happening this week that are a surprise, so if you haven't come yet, then please come this Wednesday, and that'll be, it's been a great series so far. It's been so enjoyable, so please come at 5.30 for a meal in Warren Hall, and then stay around for the devotional at 6. Let me uh, express a little bit of uh, our schedule about this coming Christmas Eve. So you know that we have three services on Christmas Eve, and we invite you to bring a friend or bring a neighbor to the 3.30 service, and that's a very family-friendly, family-oriented service where the children of the church have been practicing on Wednesday night for their part that'll be very special. Uh, That's part of that service, and that's at 3.30. And then at 5.30, we'll have our traditional lessons and carol service along with communion, and that'll be here in the sanctuary. And then... At 11 o'clock, we'll have our service over in the chapel, and that will uh, be a wonderful evening service that we know many people hold to that tradition as well. So one nuance that we want to announce about that 11 o'clock service is um, the, the whole church campus was struck by lightning two weeks ago today, and uh, it was pretty amazing to be in the building when that happened, but it did short-circuit a lot of things, including the elevator in the chapel. And so we know that a lot of people depend on that elevator to get up and down. So we've made some alternative arrangements for those who can't do steps. We are going to have an old-fashioned chairlift and lift people into the sanctuary. And and that sounds kind of funny, but there are some people who need that to make it to that 11 o'clock service. So we want to spread the word that we will get anybody in who wants to come in to that evening service at 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. 
and then uh, some more worship schedules. So next Sunday, we'll have one service of worship on the 26th, one service at 11 a.m. We won't have our 8.30 service, and we won't have our 6 o'clock evening worship service, but we'll all concentrate and worship together at 6 p.m. next Sunday here in our sanctuary. At 11 a.m. here in our sanctuary. <laughs> Don't come at 6, come at 11 for our worship service next Sunday. Um, and then also uh, a, a word of transition on our church staff to announce that Fred Turvery is retiring as our business and facilities manager at the end of January. So we want to extend gratitude to Fred and spread the word among our congregation about some referrals, that if you know of someone who might be good serving in that capacity as uh, our um, business and facilities manager, then um, please let me know or please let them know. And I've got a job description. The way we almost always find uh, really good staff members is through word of mouth and by letting people know. So spread the word that we have an opening for a business and facilities manager here at GPC. Last but not least, uh, an announcement that didn't make it into the bulletin, but we do want to highlight, and that has to do with uh, the flowers that are uh, enhancing our worship this Sunday morning. Those are given by uh, Martha and Drayton Mayers, arranged by Martha Mayers, and those are in memory of her brother who died on December the 21st, 1988, um, on the Pan Am flight that was hit by the Lockerbie, by the bombings above Lockerbie, Scotland. And it is always a special gift for Martha and Drayton to arrange those flowers and to have them here. And it's always on the Sunday before Christmas. And it's a beautiful gift that they give to our worship service on this particular Sunday. And I'm sorry it didn't make it in the bulletin, but we wanted everybody to know about the beauty and the goodness of the flowers this morning. Those are all of our announcements, friends. Let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and we light the candle of love. The Bible says that God is love, and throughout history, God has loved his people and called them to faith and service. As God redeems the world from sin, God's love is put into action. We are able to love because God first loved us. And God desires that we share his love with the whole world, with neighbors near and far, with all those who come into our sight. In the book of Psalms, we read, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. And in the New Testament, we hear John say, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let us pray. Dear God, in this season of Advent, we pray for your love to reign supreme in the world. May your love triumph over all evil, and may your love be the light that guides our lives. Thank you for loving us through your Son, whom you provided for the world. He loved those around him, and he invites us to live in his love every day. Let this Advent and Christmas season be a reminder of your love for all the world and for each of us individually. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We gather to worship as we anticipate the coming of our Savior. Please stand and join me in our call to worship. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. The Lord reached down from on high, took hold of me, and drew me out of deep waters. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior.
God offers us freedom from sin and everlasting life. Let us confess our sin together as we pray for forgiveness. Let us pray. God of hope, we turn to you in this hour, confessing that we have turned first in other directions. Instead of relying on you, we are often recklessly self-serving. Instead of showing mercy, we show pettiness and contempt. Instead of being truthful, we deceive. Have mercy on our hapless lives, or we will self-destruct through sin. Show mercy to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God shows us mercy through Christ, and we are justified by God's grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. As everyone is coming up to the front for the sacrament of baptism, we are grateful for the presence of all the children here. We're grateful for what children mean for our church, and we're grateful indeed for the sacrament of baptism, by which we make special promises not only to the children, but to everybody in the church. And so on this day, we are grateful to celebrate the sacrament of baptism for James Rufus Galleon V, 
who is the son of Kelly and Jay Gallion and the younger brother of Katie. And Katie is right over here. We're grateful for their family, grateful that Amy Phillips, an elder on our session, is taking part in their ceremony, as well as Joseph Harris, who will in a few minutes ask the vow of friendship for the children who are present. Along with everybody here, we represent the Christian church, the whole church of Jesus Christ, and we make promises on behalf of the whole church to claim James in the covenant of grace. The word sacrament, it means something very important. The word sacrament, of course, has the word sacred in it, and we believe that we are doing something very sacred in this moment. We believe that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and comes into this element of water and sets it aside from its common usage for something very sacred in James's life and in the life of his family. We always define sacraments as outward visible symbols of the inward, invisible grace of God. And so the water of baptism symbolizes our cleansing and our washing from sin by Christ's blood and sacrifice. Through Christ, God forgives our sin and claims us as his own. We remember that Jesus himself was baptized in the Jordan River to signify his solidarity with all of us, that he came to live our life and to free all of us from the power of sin. And so we know that baptism is the beginning of a journey by which we grow closer and closer to Christ every day. In the church, we speak of God's promises to us in terms of a covenant. God has made a covenant with us through Jesus Christ to be our loving and faithful God throughout our lives. This is the covenant of grace through which God forgives us of our sins and grants us eternal life. We gratefully respond to God's covenant of grace by living for God through faith in Jesus Christ. Believing in God's promises and obeying the word of our Lord, we baptize those whom God has included in the covenant of grace and mercy. By water and by the Holy Spirit, James will be joined to the body of Christ and the family of God. We will all make promises on his behalf, and God is counting on us to keep our promises so that he will grow in faith and will love Christ in his life. Thank you. And so now I'll ask you, as James's parents, to reaffirm your own faith by answering these questions. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, acknowledging God the Father as your maker and creator, God the Son as your Savior and Lord, and God the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide? Do you? And do you promise by God's grace and help to provide a Christian example for James and by God's grace to continue to raise him in the faith of the gospel and in the fellowship of the Christian church? Do you? And it's always important for us, everybody here, especially you guys sitting down here, to know James and to make a promise to him as well. And so Joseph will now ask the vow of friendship to all of you. The children and youth of the church will be James' Christian friends as he grows and matures with us. Together we will live as followers of Christ and we will make promises to each other as growing disciples. Do we, the children of the church, promise to love James as a Christian, to walk with him on the path of faith, to share our fellowship with him, to read the Bible with him, to talk about God with him, and to be his friend in Jesus Christ? If the children of the youth are willing to make this promise to James, will you please raise your hand? Okay. 
On behalf of the session, I ask the congregation to reaffirm its pledge to love, support, and teach all in the church, and in particular James, <clears throat> in the ways of Jesus Christ. Do you, as a congregation of God's people, promise to play your part in the Christian support of James by providing instruction in the gospel of God's love, the example of Christian character, and the strong support of the family of God in fellowship, prayer, and service? If you so promise, will you please stand? Let us pray. Almighty God, set aside this water from its common use to be for us now a sign of your kingdom. Lord, send your Holy Spirit to bless James and to bless his family. May this moment of his baptism be part of his lifelong journey of faith by which he clings to you more and more as his creator and savior. Lord, wash and cleanse his life by the power of your spirit as we mark his place in the covenant of grace and in the family of Jesus Christ. Amen. The congregation may be seated. James Rufus, you are a child of the covenant of grace, and so I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. You are witnesses that James Gallion rhyme, oh, has been received into the family and household of God through baptism. He now shares with us in the priesthood of Christ. I call on you, the GBC con- congregation, to pray for James and to care for him so that he may grow in Christian faith and life and continue in Christ's service all his days. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, look at the front of this sanctuary and you can see the blessing by which our congregation has received children into this covenant of grace. And Lord, we are grateful for every sound, every joyful noise, every moment of God, oh God, by which you remind us of the blessing of the inclusion of children in this covenant. And so today we are especially grateful for James. Lord, we're grateful for all the commitments that have been made on his behalf. We lift him up to you. We pray for his continued walk with you through youth and into adulthood. Lord, as he matures, may you weave your grace and guidance into his life. And as he continues to grow in faith, may he do so on the foundation laid for him by his family, by his Sunday school teachers, by his mentors, by all of his friends in this church. As he grows, Lord, protect him through all dangers and temptations. And may he know of your hand on his life as he moves through each stage that you have given him. And may we, O God, as a congregation, keep our vows to him as we support him from this day forward and forever. Amen. James, we have a gift to give you, and it is a Bible. And it's a Bible um, that we want you to have so that you can grow up reading the Bible, knowing the God of the Bible. And we also have a baptismal certificate for you that will help you remember this day as a special day in your life. And so I'll invite the children of the church to go back to their seats as our congregation remains seated to sing the blessing that we have for you, James.
Please join me in prayer as you are comfortable. Loving God, you are the greatest of all. You separated light from darkness and land from sea. Allow us to hear these words with wonderment and excitement. Help us to hear your works and good deeds like a child with open eyes of amazement and joy. We do this all in your name. Amen. The Old Testament reading comes from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and be fed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure for now. He shall be the great to ends of the earth. Our New Testament lesson comes to us from the book of Luke. It's one of our favorites at this time of year as we anticipate the birth of Christ. And we read about uh, the angel's visit to Mary and then what she does right after that, which is to go seek uh, help and comfort and strength from Elizabeth. And so we read from Luke 1, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who has believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And then Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to his ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This is, of course, a very sentimental time of year for all of us, including the the music that we sing and, if you're like me, in the movies that we watch. There's some great Christmas classics that are on all around us this time of year, and of course, you can sort of live stream them now on demand. And since high school, I've had a sentimental favorite that may be one of yours, the black and white version, of course, of 
It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody watch that already this Christmas season? A few people? It'll be on one of our screens at some point in the next five to seven days. Fast forward a few generations, and there's a a movie that's become a favorite, especially among kids. Um, Whenever the child, whenever a kid is smarter than the adults and gets the better of the bad guys and uh, is able to, to manage being at home alone for Christmas, of course, that's a favorite among those in the sort of 12 and under crowd. The Grinch You Stole Christmas is kind of like that one as well. Um, And then for all of us dads who are determined that Christmas has to be absolutely perfect and who get out in the yard and wrestle with all the lights and maybe fight with family a little bit and then also want to wrestle with that tree and make it absolutely perfect and we will resonate with Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation. I'm glad to know there's some other movie buffs like me around here. Of course, it's sort of like our house, too. I mean, Christmas vacation, Cousin Eddie shows up to blow everything up anyway, and we've got family members like that, too, like you do probably also. When I was growing up, it wasn't so much a movie that was the Christmas classic for us as a family as it was a play, and to be specific, a Christmas carol that has been put on at Theater Memphis for over 40 years. My grandmother, every year, would give us this gift on this Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas. She would buy the Sunday matinee uh, tickets to A Christmas Carol at Theater Memphis. And she would make us, and we would put on our coat and tie and look proper for the theater to go and watch A Christmas Carol. And it's always, always been one of my favorites. Of course, it's based on the Charles Dickens novel by the same title, and um, it's always got different versions of it that come out in movies, but the play is so special. We learn all about the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge, through the visits of Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. We learn that he was denied this opportunity of love as a young man, and so ever since then he has been so mean and so miserly. And his reply to anything related to Christmas is... Bah humbug. Bah humbug. Now, it's really fascinating if you think about it. Just break down this play where it was set and the character's names. Ebenezer is actually a a biblical name. It comes from 1 Samuel 7. And it's about this monument that the Israelites built to mark God's presence and how much God had provided for them. They cross over the Jordan River. They are there and, and they say, God has brought us safely thus far. And so they create this monument called Ebenezer. By hither this far we've come with God's help. And we sing that same line, Here I raise my Ebenezer, in one of our favorite hymns. So Ebenezer is his first name, and it's a name about God's provision and God's grace and how God is at work in people's lives even when they don't know it. But this Ebenezer is a Scrooge. He is mean and miserly, doesn't believe in God, of course, doesn't believe in anything like grace, compassion, mercy, no way. He is this very calculated, cold-hearted businessman. He is a creditor, we learn, who, uh, of course, has people who owe him and his company, Scrooge and Marley, all this money. When they can't pay, Scrooge, of course, shows no remorse in foreclosing on them and throwing them out in the streets. When his nephew 
says, Merry Christmas, Uncle. He says this, Bah humbug. And what's Christmas but a time for buying things with no need? And if I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of olives through his heart. Apologies from anybody from the UK for whom that was a terrible British accent. And when you watch this play, and maybe you read this story, then you realize that Dickens does bake into this story lots and lots of social commentary about what's going on in, in 1843 when it was published in this growing industrial age in the UK. Society, of course, was highly stratified with a very few people on top, like the creditors, like the owners, like Scrooge, and then the masses and masses of people down on the bottom, especially in a city like London, just teeming with all those people who worked in that industrial age in the factories, living hand to mouth, most of them working all these long hours and shifts, unlike today, unlike today where we have all these precautions and safety measures and all these things built into keeping workers safe. In that day and age, they had none of those precautions. And if you were injured in a factory, then you were thrown out and replaced with another. And you did have that Victorian aristocracy of owners and creditors in whom was concentrated so much wealth. So A Christmas Carol is commentary on people like Scrooge, people who are sort of ruthless in heart, and they just are ruthless and heartless, and they don't care, especially at this time of year. Who's at the other end of that spectrum, that Christmas carol spectrum from Scrooge? Who's at the other end of that? Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim, the little boy who is sick, he is ailing, He is physically disabled. He can't walk very well. Throughout the whole play, the whole story, he is weaker and he is sicker. And yet, who is the one in the whole story who talks the most about God? And who is the one in the story who talks about and understands, really, joy and blessing? It's Tiny Tim. The sick little child is the one who understands God and understands blessings. And of course, the whole story ends with his famous line, God bless us, everyone. Tiny Tim. Christmas carol. That word carol is is interesting. It comes from the medieval French, and it means to dance in a ring or to sing with joy and delight. And so what do we love singing at this time of year but Christmas carols? We're filled with joy, and you will be filled with joy at the end of the service when we sing this incredible Christmas carol medley. Well, in today's New Testament, we had the first Christmas carol that was ever sung. Mary's song, this Magnificat, or her soul magnifies the Lord. Her soul enlarges and sings out about the grace of God and the goodness of God that has visited her when the angel comes to tell her that she will be the mother of the Messiah. Her soul magnifies the Lord. The first Christmas carol ever sung about the birth of Jesus. And it's a real-life Christmas carol set way back, of course, then 2,000 years ago in the ancient Roman Empire. This Christmas carol is sung in response to blessings. I don't know if you saw in this reading, but the word blessing appears four times. 
So Mary is the recipient, and all in the air around Mary is blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. All these blessings appear. The word blessing appears 50 times in the New Testament, and right here it's concentrated in this story four times, and it's especially impactful in this reading right here. Now that's a little odd. And again, by the standards of her day, Mary is very weak and very vulnerable. She is a peasant teenager in a rural village. She is weak in the sense that she would have been at the very bottom of the ladder of society. Very few rights at all. Very little standing. And we don't know exactly why she goes to see Elizabeth, but I can surmise that she went because even though she responded to the angel with faith and and she believes in God's promise for her, she's probably a little nervous. She's probably a little nervous. She knows that she is in a very vulnerable situation place with this news, she will have a baby. To be young and unmarried and pregnant in that day was extremely shameful. It was even punishable. So I imagine that she goes to see Elizabeth to be strengthened, to be mentored, to be cared for, to be guided. And as soon as she walks in the door, blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Right when she walks in the door, Elizabeth's own baby John the Baptist, she says, leaps in the womb at the sound of Mary's voice. Now, I don't know if you have had this experience before, but I can remember some of our own kids pushing against the skin-tight container in which they were held before they were born, and you could see a foot pushing out, for example, or they thought it was like a little gymnasium in there, and so they would do somersaults as they turned around in there. Well, that's what John the Baptist is doing. I imagine Elizabeth sort of having a, a moment where she had to steady herself. And then what's fascinating, it says the Holy Spirit came upon her. God came to her. The Holy Spirit comes upon her to give her a revelation of what this means, to to speak to her in this unique way, this sign from God. Elizabeth knows through the Holy Spirit that Mary's baby is especially blessed by God, and then she says these blessings three times into Mary's life. She blesses her twice, and then the third time she says this, Blessed are you for believing. Blessed are you for for trusting that what God said will come true. Blessed are you for believing in what God says. Blessed are you. There's no better biblical word than what we all long for in this life than this word blessing. We long for blessings. We strive for blessings. We, we have our own definition of blessings in here. Our world has lots of definitions of what it means to be blessed out there. But there's no better biblical concept than what God wants to offer us in this life than the word blessing. Do you remember in the Old Testament where Jacob is wrestling with God all night long, just wrestling and striving? At the very end, as day is breaking, he says, I will not let go of you until you bless me. Well, that's all of us. We are striving and contending in our lives for for blessing, and we look for blessings in all kinds of sources and in all kinds of ways. In the Bible, to be blessed means that God smiles on you, that God favors you, that God turns towards you, that God forgives you, that God gives you grace, that God strengthens you, that God heals you, that God, bottom line, that God loves you. God loves you, and so God blesses you. And because of God's blessing then, then and only then are we able to understand what it means to be content in this life. 
will strive for the world's blessings left and right all day long, but until we turn to God, until we accept this gift of blessing from God, we'll never know what it really means to be content until we receive God's blessing. You'll see in Scripture that sometimes blessing is translated as happy or joyful. And you see this in a very unique place in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, where Jesus is pronouncing all of these blessings on people that the world would not consider blessed. But here Jesus says, God is turning to you. And God is coming and God is blessing you. No matter what the world says, God blesses you if you are weak and if you are meek and if you are persecuted and if you are mourning. No matter what the world says about you and your condition, God sees you, God knows you, and God blesses you. And therefore you can have hope. No matter who you are, no matter what your condition, God loves you. And God blesses you. All those people at the Sermon on the Mount and throughout Jesus' whole ministry, in, in His presence, face to face, would feel the blessing of God whenever they encountered Him. And whether they were injured or sick or meek or mild or persecuted or poor, they felt the blessing of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Blessed are you. Mary received God's blessing. And with all these just blessings echoing in the world around her, she couldn't help but sing this first Christmas carol. She sang this song, and if you notice, what's interesting about it is that there is lots of social commentary baked into Mary's song. She recognizes where she is on the ladder. She's at the lowliest place, and yet she feels God's blessing. God blesses her right there in her lowliness. She sings how God lifts up the lowly. God fills up the hungry. If you are hungry physically, spiritually, God fills you up with all of these good things. We are satisfied by God's great help. And then she does sing about what happens to people who rely on their own strength. People who rely on their own throne. In other words, their own position people who rely on their own power. And she is, of course, talking about the Scrooges of the world, those who are proud in their own hearts, those who cling on to everything so tightly, those who think that what they have is of their own making instead of a provision from God, those who look with disdain down on other people like Mary, people who are vulnerable or weak. Anytime somebody takes advantage of the vulnerable or weak, All of these people who rely on their own power and position will be humiliated when one day God reveals how little power they actually have compared to Him. All those who rely on riches to fill themselves up selfishly with all the luxuries of these worlds will be sent away empty and eternally hungry because they are not generous. Friends, when it comes to Christmas... And I mean this Christmas, right here, this year, right now, we are invited to receive an incredible blessing from God. We are invited to receive this grace of God that does heal and strengthen, this grace of God that does uplift, this grace of God that can change who you are. God invites you to receive this gift through the birth of Jesus Christ. Or, as opposed to blessings, We might have a bah humbug approach to this Christmas stuff. 
Maybe for you, you think, well, there's so much to be cynical about because it is all about massive consumption and about spending money and, and presents and all of that. Maybe you're feeling a little by humbug this year because you are grieving. There is loneliness and grief that lives inside each one of us. And maybe you are grieving this Christmas more than usual, and so it's hard for you to celebrate. Maybe for people this Christmas season, it really is just a, a 5 to 10 to 14 day slowdown in the markets in which they are striving for riches and fame and all the blessings of the world, and you can't get past what the world defines as blessings to see the real blessing that comes through Christ. Receive the blessing by just believing a little bit. Put a little bit of trust. And this year, if you have a bah humbug approach to Christmas, maybe if your pride won't let you admit that there's a higher power than just you, but just try. Just put a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust and put a tiny Tim amount of faith in God's blessings. Just believe like Mary did. Even if you're nervous, even if you don't know exactly what it means to trust and believe in God, just put faith and trust in the promise of God. A tiny amount of belief in the goodness of God found in Jesus. And this Christmas, right here and now, God promises to speak into your life. God will make a promise and a pronouncement over your life just like he did for Mary and he invites you to believe that promise and to live into all the blessings that he has in store for you. Let that be the gift that you receive above all others this year. And for this Christmas, may God bless us, everyone. Amen. My brothers and sisters, we have been blessed this morning to hear God's word read and proclaimed to us. And so I invite you all to stand. And now let us together in one voice affirm our faith using the declaration of faith as it is printed in your bulletin. We affirm that Jesus was born of woman, as is every child, yet born of God's power, as was no other child. In the person and work of Jesus, God himself and a human life are united but not confused, distinguished but not separated. The coming of Jesus was itself the coming of God's promised rule. Through his birth, life, death, and resurrection, he brings about the relationship between God and humanity that God always intended. Amen. Please be seated. One of the many things that happens on Sunday morning when God invites us to come here and worship is he speaks to us. Whether it's in a song, in music, in silence, in scripture. And this morning we have heard the voice of God and we have an opportunity to speak back knowing that God is responsive and attentive to the needs of his people. So would you join me in a prayer? Good morning, Jesus. Merry Christmas. It feels so good 
to be in the holiday season, and it feels so good to be together in your presence. We've heard you speak to us this morning. And like in that story, that infamous story, we know those bah humbug moments, and you know those even better than we do. Those days where we have gotten cynical and down, where our lives haven't felt like they've been defined by what they have, but what they are lacking. And as we enter into this celebratory season, we also carry with us those within and around us for whom this is a tough time. Whether it be those who are grieving the loss of a loved one for whom this used to be a time of joy. Or maybe there are loved ones, friends, and family near and abroad who are traveling for work and can't be home with their families. We think about those in our city, in our communities, that while we are celebrating and sleeping in, we'll be taking care and making sure that our lights turn on, our water pours forth, and that our communities are safe. We lift to you those for whom are in desperate need of rest, who've been working hard, who are tired and needing the replenishment that only you can provide. And God, we lift these to you and remember all of those communities that have been decimated by the tornadoes not that long ago. And we remember that you are a 23rd Psalm kind of God that even in the darkest valleys that we find ourselves in or we create, you prepare a feast of grace defiantly, loving us better than we could ever hope or dream or imagine. And so as we celebrate Christmas, your coming into our lives this week, we ask that you would elevate our joy our sense of home and wonder at what you have done because we need that as your people. Our souls crave to feel close to you. And we remember those for whom this is not a joyous season, not in guilt or shame, but because you have blessed us so that we may be a blessing to them to be their friend, their companion, their shoulder to cry on. And through those moments, you move in and change lives, and we are so very thankful. And so we offer to you these prayers and the multitudes that we don't even have the words to speak with the words that you've given us in your Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Family, we know not only from Scripture, but from our own lived experience of the goodness of God, that whenever God blesses us, he does so for our enjoyment, to bring us closer to him, and also empowering us to go and be a blessing to someone else.
And so we give to God our tithes and offerings and joy in obedience. And so that God may use what we offer to impact someone's life for his glory. I invite our ushers now to come forward and receive our gifts to God.
let us turn to God in prayer. Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've blessed us with your hope, peace, joy, and love. You've blessed us with your Son, our Savior. You've blessed us so that we might be for you, love to all the world. In obedience and gratitude, we joyfully bring to you our gifts, our treasures, our hearts, our very lives. Use them and us, we pray, to further your peaceable kingdom on earth. In Christ's name, we offer these prayers, and together your people say, Amen. The words to the carol medley are in your bulletin. You follow along. There will be several interludes. If you'll watch me, you'll know exactly when to sing. <laughs>
Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it in the valleys. Go tell it in the parking lot. Go tell it in your neighborhoods. Go tell it in your families, your places of work. Go tell it everywhere the good news of Jesus Christ and about God's love. Go tell it to everybody you encounter, and may God bless you this Christmas. And as you go out into the world to love and serve the Lord and to love and serve your neighbor as yourself, may you go with God's blessing. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit dwell upon you and live in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen. Thank you.